All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is the Wally and Mathot Show. Now, here are your hosts, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot. Welcome to the Wally and Mathot Show, brought to you by SportsInteraction.com. Uh, go to SportsInteraction.com slash Wally Mathot for the most competitive odds at SportsInteraction.com. is Canada's online casino and sportsbook. I'm Brent Wallace. He's Mark Mathot. Uh, Meth, I've got one question for you before we begin this, begin this show. What did you do to your face? <laughs> so you want to cover that, eh? Um, you know well, what? Okay. I, I'm you, look, the, I, you look like a wrestler. Yeah, I'm doing the game on Saturday, <clears throat> and obviously they like us clean shaven. So just to have fun with my wife, I decided to leave the handlebars last night, and she despised, like, hates it. Just absolutely hates it. So it, despite her, I'm going to leave it on until Saturday. This is why if you're listening on the podcast, you should switch over to the YouTube version uh, to get a full look of Mark Mathot's <laughs> handlebar. Is do we just call it the handlebars? Is it a goatee? I, handlebars. Yeah. Okay. Handlebars. Yeah. I yeah. can't. I can't grow it, so I'm. I'll act impressed. You can't. Um, yeah, you can. You not, got. You got like what? Fifteen years on me. Yeah, but it takes me about fifteen years to get to where you're at. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, uh, All right, but we've got uh, a great show coming up. Uh, Noodles is back. Jay McLennan, we call this Noodles 2.0. His first interview was fantastic, and so was the second. Uh, Craig's going to stop by. Uh, with some more Chad. Plus, uh, we've got Bone Sauce Sauce is back with some trivial trivia. We're giving away some Christmas prize packs, we'll call them, uh, and they're going to be here for a couple of weeks. Uh, don't forget, also, you can shop at uh, gongshowgear.com. Uh, get it in now so you can get the shipping done in time for Christmas. They've also got uh, BOGO deals going on for them. Um, all right, Matt, uh, before we get to headlines, I got a question for you, and that is you saw the Trevor Zegras goal, I'm assuming, 
this past week yeah. where he does the Michigan, yeah. but then Pat, right? If you're a defenseman in the National Hockey League, are you mad about this? Because purists get all upset when we try to do something different in the game. And I'm curious of what your reaction is. I am. I mean, I love it. I think it's fantastic. And they showed, I believe the following day or two days later, they were showing other junior teams practicing it in warmups and stuff. Yeah. So it's infectious, right? Yeah. I think um, that creativity grabs headlines and it's, it's fun to watch. I, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I, I don't see I don't see how you could argue against that. You mentioned Purius. I'd love to find some online wall. You could show me the way and I'll go argue with them. Um, but I think in this case, um, I love it. It's creative. It's exciting. People love that stuff. But you know what I'm talking about? Like one time Kaspar's Dogemans put his toe on the puck for a shootout and, and did a spin around. People got like, how yeah. do you do that to the game? Or I even remember, I think like someone shot through his legs one time and so how do you disrespect the game like this? I'm like, let's have a little entertainment value, can we? Yeah. It's funny you mentioned the the Casper's goal because I think I saw it on like a top 10 last week on, on TV yeah. and totally forgot about it. And I was there. I was there for that when he was doing it because he was doing it all the time in practice. And I think um, uh, Mac was just kind of encouraging him saying, okay, you know, it's working for you. Let's see, what it, see how you can do it. And I believe in the one game, that he did do it. It could have been against Boston, I think. Yes, I think um, he tried. Yeah, he tried it and almost had it. And I think Ras got yeah. a toe on it. So um, again, I I'm a big fan of that stuff. I think it's it's awesome. It gets people on their feet. It gets people talking. Um, so I'm sure we're going to see more of it now. All these young kids that are coming into the league, Wally, they're so skilled yeah. that it wouldn't surprise me if we see a lot more of this, you know, moving forward. Okay, but how do you defend it? <sighs> I don't know. Cause you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to box out anymore. Right. Nope. Like, well, you can box out, but they're very picky now refereeing uh, the refs. I mean, when, when it comes to trying to box guys out in net front, so they almost have their way at it. And, and I honestly don't believe there's a whole lot you can do other than maybe try to push at them, deter them from standing there, but really you don't want to get a penalty. So uh, again, they may be doing this more often than not moving forward. Uh, all right, let's, I, we should probably try to get Casper's dogmans on the show. Um, was he fun to be around or is he quiet, by the way? <laughs> he would bark when he oh, would right. score a goal and he went down the line, you know, on the bench when we're touching gloves, yeah. he was barking. It was bizarre, but he was a beauty. Guys loved him. He was a funny guy and um, not like at all what I had pictured a Latvian to be like, you know, like there was no language barrier. He spoke perfect English. I know Craig was around him probably a lot more too. And um, yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of Doggy and I played against him a little bit at the Worlds too. Uh, when he was with Latvia. So right. I'm happy to see he's doing it. He's a legend over there, apparently. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and he's always been fun, but he's got that massive tattoo, I think, of Latvia or whatever it is on his back. Like it covers his yeah, entire does. back. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I could never. I'm too much of a sissy to get a tattoo. No chance. Yeah. It's, it's a needle. I have, a, I have one on my back that I'm currently still trying to laser off. I think I got a couple <laughs> more sessions and it's done. I, Tat, everyone's got uh, nothing against people that have tats. I feel like we're going to alienate half her fan base if we start chirping people with tats. No, no, I think they're great. But, but it would uh, just never happen to me. That's yeah. I just, yeah, I, I know. And and my wife would always say, well, yeah, but what are you going to look like when you're 50? I'm like, everyone's going to have them when we're 50. I don't see it looking <laughs> bad. I think it looks cool, but yeah. Um, oh. I thought about getting a sleeve. Not wow. so much anymore. I, I feel like everyone's got them now. Right. So it's kind of lost its luster. I feel like saying if we get like, 10 million downloads i'll get a tattoo of your face but i'm i'm slightly oh, concerned do about that <laughs> so i'm not doing it uh all right we're moving on uh, right. island life we're going to call this the Sens saw their three-game winning streak come to an end at the hands of yeah. the new york islanders you called it 
you almost got the same score. Uh, you called four, two, and ended up being five, three. Um, but they deserved, I think a little bit better fate. No, I, the goaltending yeah, let did. them down here with Philip Gustafson. Yeah, that was the issue. I thought the team played pretty well. They were competing well. Um, but yeah, the goaltending, and this is what we talk about from training camp up until now with the inconsistencies and how it could really kill the morale of a group, right? I'm not suggesting that that game killed the morale of the group. No. They, they've had a re really nice little stretch here, so I don't want to be negative. I thought they were good. Um, but it's funny that day, right? We call the we, we call the loss in the morning, and all of a sudden the guys over at Spitting Chicklets, like Bissonette and Whitney, were both saying that it was lock of the century going with the Islanders too. So it made me feel a little more comfortable with my pick. And again, I don't like picking against Ottawa, but you had a very desperate Islanders team coming in there. I just I couldn't I couldn't see how under Barry Trotz they would lose that game. I just couldn't see it. But you make a good point. Goaltending, I think, was the difference, right? And so. Uh, I don't think that they have to hang their heads off that loss. That, that was a nice little stretch by the Ottawa Senators. I might be fired from sports interaction. I did pick Ottawa. I thought they could pull this out despite being on you a did. And it was a good yeah. pick, Wally. Wally, it was, that was a good well, pick. I had a 50-50 like, chance. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're you're like a beat-down Islanders team against a yeah. red-hot coming off a three-game win streak Ottawa Senators. It made sense. So, you know, it's okay, though. We have a, you, you have an opportunity here Saturday to bounce back. Well, that's why you've got the fancy graphic and I don't. Um, so <laughs> as we as we look at now, this is the fifth game in December. Obviously, Sens yeah. played pretty well in the month of December so far. We've seen the typical guys carrying them, though. Kachuk's got four goals, no. seven points to lead him. Uh, Norris, three goals, five points. Batherson, one goal, five points. Formington is maybe a bit of a surprise in there. Three goals, four points. Stutzel and Shabbat both have four points. The point I'm trying yeah. to make here, it's, it's the same people for the most part. Is there a concern of perhaps a lack of depth scoring? If you don't have that number one line going every night, you're going to have tough nights. Yeah. Well, I mean, are you surprised? I'm not surprised. Well, but they, I, I, no, I think... but they need something is my point. Like, Oh, no, I'm agreeing help. with you. No, no, no. And, and, and you raise an excellent point. And I was actually thinking about this a couple of nights ago, uh, how top heavy they are. Right. But I think this is a good thing for this group. I mean, I, and I say this in a sense that this is not a, a playoff contending team right now. Yeah. So you like to see that top line, those young players, your, your, all your draft picks excelling and playing very good hockey right now. So that at least gives you comfort right there, knowing that moving forward, okay, you've got your number one line in place. You don't have to make any adjustments. This has been an issue with this team now for a few years where, you know, they were lacking a, a legitimate top line with yep. a legitimate top center. That's okay. The way I look at it, like Nick Paul, and Connor Brown, in my opinion, those are that's like a legitimate third line. Those are legitimate third line wingers on a really good team, right? Yeah. For so sure. right now, people are kind of dwelling on, you know, the, the lack of point production. And I and and I know the name with Nick Paul's been floating around with potential trade bait at, at deadline. I wouldn't move him. I mean, these are guys, these are pieces that you have in place moving forward. They're just not being properly utilized. And that's nothing against DJ. That's just the lack of depth that you have right now. But now that you know Tim Stutzler is a legitimate center, his numbers are better in the middle, you've got your number two center in place. If, if not for Shane Pinto, at least, yep. you've got your centerman finally solidified moving forward over the next couple of years, assuming that those, you know, Tim Stutzler, Shane Pinto are, are those guys. And I think and, they are. So, Pinto's a much more legit uh, third line center, right? Like he's got that defensive checking role in him. Yeah. You can see it in his game. It, so, so imagine, yeah. yeah. So imagine, and I don't know 
you'd have to go after two legitimate players to fill in those top two slots. But imagine having a line of Nick Paul, Shane Pinto, and Connor Brown as your third line. Like Now, I don't know that that's going to be the case, and I don't know if the Ottawa Senators are going to go find two legitimate top six wingers this offseason. They're but, still trying to find one since the beginning of last yeah, season. Yeah, I know, yeah. and, and I, think, <laughs> I think they're more likely going to get that in the summertime during free agency. There's no need to make moves now, and I know a lot of media types have been talking about this, and they're basically, I'm basically echoing what they've said in that, you know, you don't need to go after anybody right now. I think right now you're just looking for your core pieces to keep progressing forward. Wins or losses, obviously you want to win. You want the group to learn how to win. Yeah. But as long as your core pieces are progressing well and you're seeing it now with Stutzla, you're seeing it with all the top line guys, that's good. I think you stay the course, play out the year, and then, you know, visit those options in the summer. Uh, I'll point out the uh, Norris line this season, is uh, that includes Batherson and Form. Uh, Kachuk has combined for 44% yeah. of all the Sens goals. Uh, the, 44%. The yeah. So wow. 27 of the 62 goals have been scored by one of those. Two now, players. Wally, what would that yeah. be? I, I'm putting yeah. you on the spot. What do you know? Do you have those numbers in front of you with regards to the rest, like in comparison to the rest of the league with top lines? Do we know no, that? I, uh, no, Shoot. I saw it somewhere. I think I only work half days. Just wondering so. where they are. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was. I didn't want to put a full day of work in to find that out. So, yeah. no, 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 no. And this is on me. I'm the one trying to. <laughs> no, no. I, I'm basically but, just. But I'm siphoning all your work right now. So I want no, to make it clear. I've got no, no work. I, I believe five on five goals. They are third overall in the league. I saw. I think that was on a TSN what? in the game really? the other night. I, wow. Yeah, I, okay. I think John Rustin from TSN had dug that up. So, I know it's available. I'll do better nice. next time. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, but the takeaway here, the takeaway, I guess, in, in closing with that top line, this yeah. is really good. This is what you want. And I'm surprised, like, even with Kachuk, the the scoring touch that he's had and been able to continue with, I mean, this is, it's so impressive because yeah. you watch his style and you don't think that he's going to pot as many goals as he has been, right? Because he's, he's kind of got that, like, you know, Lumbering. unorthodox skating style. He's hunched over. Yeah. It's not always very pretty, but he gets the job done. It's wild. Well, the other thing too is, like you and you saw we always talked about Alfie being the big one like if you miss training camp and you try to come back it oh. a, it's a grind b you're likely to get injured early on we've seen it time and time oh, again yeah. I, like i don't know that we've appreciated of well how well he's just acclimated back he's, into that lineup yeah he's a he's a tough son of a bitch man like he's he's i gotta give that to him like between him and batherson was out for a little bit too but i love how tough and strong that top line is and we talked about this in the past they have size yeah. Batherson's a big guy. Norris is a machine. Kachuk's a big boy. Like that's a, that's a legitimate playoff line. You know, if these guys ever do make the postseason here over the next couple seasons, that's the kind of line that you will not see disappear. Like they're going to continue to play this way because they have the physical edge to them that, that hard nose aspect around net front. They're hard to play against. So that's really exciting. Uh, unfair question. Is this the best top line we've seen in Ottawa since the Spezza Heatley Alfredson line. Oh, <laughs> and I think it is. Is this, like, like a, is this just like a spur of the moment thing where we're kind of all hung, you know, hang, hung yeah. up on them. I, I don't know. I like, so, and that's the thing we may overvalue them. At, and we're talking about a 50 goal scorer and a Calder trophy winner. He scored a thousand points in the national hockey league and Jason Spezza, yeah. who is one of the best playmakers in the game. Like I get that that's a huge leap, but my point is, yes. I don't, I can't think of another line that's come through Ottawa since then that's had any kind of talent level uh, seminal no. like this. This three. No, no, no. Now I might be mistaken, but I'm trying to look back now at all those years that, that I was here, and then you know a little afterwards and prior. 
Like but Kyle Turris, Derek Broussard, Mika Zibanejad. No, no, no. Like, Nothing comes – no, no. Those no. guys, and I love them. Like Brass, one of my boys. Tur's one of my boys. But yeah. uh, this Kachuk Norris Batherson line, I don't think anything comes close. Right now, you look at them. They are they are dangerous every time they're out there, especially in the yeah. offensive zone. When they have when they start running their cycle and, and finding those little, little – and we talked about that last show, and sure enough, last game – uh, I, I don't know if it was Norris. I think it was Norris that found Kachuk right in that little soft spot for that little one-timer. That's what they do. And they're so good at it. So you're right, Wally. It's a good point. I think that's probably one of the best, probably the best top line since Heatley and Spets's line for sure. Yeah. Uh, I want to bring up a point. So we tend to always think of, or talk a lot about Batherson and Kachuk, uh, both big size and they're both putting up points, but we, I think Josh Norris, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is overshadowed a little bit by the two of them. Now, he recently just yeah. played his 82nd and 83rd game, so a full NHL season. His yeah. numbers are better than Kachuk, Batherson, and then Stutz has only played 77. Um, Josh Norris, people may not know, has more points than Brady Kachuk through 83 games of their career, right? Like, I just think that, yeah. I think that, and he's got 28 goals. He's a legit 30 goal scorer, and I, he gets overshadowed because I think the other two um, I do. This means nothing to our show, but I found this very entertaining. And I looked up um, urban dictionaries definition of Josh. And so if you'll think back to our right, interview, we, we had not doing one of these. All right. Yeah. Let's hear it. This is so good. Josh is a sensitive, caring guy who will do anything to solve problems. Although he may come across as overprotective, but all he wants to do is make sure that the ones he loves are safe and well. Josh's are normally very attractive and the most they have great eyes. He also is an extremely uh, <laughs> romantic. This is good. Uh, but 100% of the time you'll find Josh, you will not regret it. And most definitely, he have the perfect relationship. Trust me, Josh's are worth the wait. So yeah, Josh well, Norris okay. is the perfect fit. Yeah, aside from the fact that that's complete horseshit, uh, you know, I, I think <laughs> there are some maybe resemblances to Josh Norris. I, listen, he's you're right, though. He's, he's legitimately, he's a legitimate one center. Um, and he gels perfectly with Kachuk and Batherson. He's been terrific. You're right. Falls under the radar a little bit because of Kachuk and, you know, the training camp stuff that was going on and then coming in, getting the captaincy. Batherson's been playing very well. So, uh, but this is the best case scenario that's happening here. And I, I'm, I know I'm repeating myself, but you finally have an established number one line and they're young, you know, they aren't going anywhere. So you have this, you have these guys for the next potential 10 years. Well, and, uh, hang on a second. Well, you think they're going to have an issue resigning them? Well, so this leads into my point here. So uh, Josh Norris is up for a contract. He's an RFA. So uh, if we look from the 2017 draft, the, the he is fifth overall in points per game. So it goes Kale McCarr, Jason Robertson, uh, Elias Patterson, Nick Suzuki, and Josh Norris. Uh, yeah. Nico Heischer was taken first overall. He's at 0.63. Norris is at 0.64 points per game. So, okay. Uh, McCarr got a six year, six, a $54 million deal. Patterson got three years, 11.25. Suzuki, eight years, 63. And Nico Heischer got seven years at 50.75. Massive deals. So, where does Josh Norris fall in in this? Is he under, uh, Drake Batherson, does he make that kind of like where is he at? And this is an interesting like, can you put that much money in your top line? Well, I don't know. Drake's Drake's starting to look like a bit of a steal, isn't he? Um, <laughs> he's a full steal, absolutely. Yeah. So you got to think, and this depends on how hard you know how hard 
Josh Norris plays ball when it comes to the negotiations. It all comes down to the player and what he's comfortable with signing, right? So you're going to have agents in your ear. And at the end of the day, when they're dangling that long-term carrot in front of you and you're a young player, and all you can think about is security, right? And I know that Kachuk to me was a bit of a um, an outlier because he's got so much, uh, they have so much experience in the family. So, and he's yeah. a confident guy. So he was willing to roll the dice, do a little bridge deal. He was willing to do whatever it took. And he ends up with a big deal because of that, right? So it, it, it all comes down to what Josh Norris is willing to do. I, 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 I'm not in the belief that any player should ever take a hometown discount. I think I did that a little bit, but I was also just, you know, seeing that contract dangling and I could think immediately security. I wanted that. Josh Norris is young. He probably knows what he's worth. Uh, I'm not a number cruncher by any means, so I can't pretend to know what I'm talking about right now as far as what his number should be. I don't know. I'd have to really break down all the comparables and go through them, but um, they're going to have to pay him, Wally. Like you're going to use your number one center. More responsibility than the wingers. It's a tougher position. You have to be responsible in your own zone. You have to be able to play two ways up and down the ice and work the middle of the ice, dish pucks out, uh, get your guys, know your assignments. It's a little more complicated. You've got to be good on draws. I They're going to have to pay the guy. And, if, and, and, and I don't see how the organization can get away with not doing so. And I believe they want to, right? Because this is finally, you have your number one line. You have no choice. I'm not going to elaborate any further. Yeah, yeah. Their hands are tied. Josh Norris holds all the cards. I just find it interesting. They've got to figure out, is he worth more than Drake Batherson at 4.975 and where that fits in? Of course he is. Okay, then. Well, he isn't isn't a better player, but he's worth more than that, right? I don't know that you should even compare to Batherson. you got to look at all his compare. How many... How many players in this position are playing center right now making, you know, whatever amount they're making? Those are the guys you're going to have to look at. Mm. You can't look at Drake Batherson. That, that, that deal is just a steal, period. Okay. Uh, Batherson and uh, Kachuk combined for like $13.2 million. So add another $6 million in there. No, you're at it's an expensive number million. one line. <laughs> yeah, so that's all my point is. Uh, yeah, all right. No, I get uh, it. No. Uh, the headline is brought to you by BEI, Bonisher Excavating, Inc., at BonisherExcavating.com, helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. They've done a fantastic job of helping out with Christmas Santa Claus parades, by the way, in the Ottawa Valley. Um, coming up, we've got Noodles 2.0. Matt, uh, Jamie McLennan stops by. Of course, he's from TSN, if you don't know, and also from this fantastic show, The Overdrive. Um, that is brought to you by Whitewater. So go to Whitewater, uh, shop whitewater.ca. They've got a thing called Santa's Favorites, um, where they include six cans of beer and a f- Forest friendly tree coaster. Uh, it's just under 30 bucks. Free uh, shipping. They got local delivery. And they can also, you can pick it up at uh, 78 Pembroke Street in Cobden. Stay for the great food, by the way. Fantastic restaurant. Mm. Uh, also, you can use a shop, or sorry, you can use the Wally Matha coupon code shopwhitewater.ca. Brewed by friends for friends. Uh, Whitewater beer. Uh, time now for Pearls of Wisdom on Jamie McLennan, brought to you by sportsinteraction.com. All right, here we go. 13 shutouts in his NHL career. That's the second. Among 1991 draft picks, Chris Osgood is first, by the way, at 50. Um, 12% of his career goals allowed to Hall of Famers, 74 of 617. Um, two undefeated teams. So he did not lose to Calgary or the Ottawa Senators. And finally, a 1.48 goals uh, support average in 2000-2001 with the Wild. That's the lowest in the NHL in the last 30 years, by the way. Uh, Jay McClendon. So when we come back, our interview with Noodles 2.0. You're watching the Wally Mathot Show.
Welcome back to the Volume of Thought Show. Time now for the Whitewater Chat, and pleased to be joined once again. We call this show Noodles 2.0 as we welcome in Jamie McLennan uh, from Toronto. Uh, Noodles, welcome back to the show. People have been asking for you, and we finally got you back on. I'm very excited to be back on. I'll be honest. I was getting a little nervous because your guest list was getting very lengthy, and I was like, <laughs> I think these guys are just going to dust me to the point where... <laughs> I put out a tweet because I went, I bought one of the t-shirts, yeah. the hashtag, uh, you know, and, and Absolute I got pigeon. stopped in a grocery Absolute pigeon. I got stopped in a grocery store uh, by somebody going like, what does that mean? I'm like, <laughs> ah, it's an inside saying, you know, like, a, and I was like, I can't even, how do you explain to somebody, you know, you the hashtag absolute pigeon? Like you can't, right? It's yeah, just kind yeah. of an inside joke. And this guy's staring at me. I'm like, okay, what's, what's going down? The guy who actually walks up to me, it's like absolute pigeon. I'm like, yeah, you, you know it. Like, don't know it. What does it mean? I'm like, can't explain it. I don't have time, you know? So there was, uh, but I'm excited to be back and, and you're, you're right. It's, it's been a while and I was getting nervous that I was going to, you know, get continued to get bumped and bumped, you know? No, you have a standing invitation always to join this show, especially since you helped buy a t-shirt. Um, anyway, uh, I, I want to move on since you've covered the Sens. I just want to ask Sens questions for the beginning before we get into some great stories. Sure. Is that, uh, let's start with this little bit of a turnaround. They've gone on a run. It looked like they hit rock bottom against Vancouver. Is this smoke and mirrors or is this a legit turnaround uh, by the Ottawa Senators? I'm going to say somewhere in the middle. And here's why I'd say that is you needed the game in was Carolina to be stolen. Like I yeah. sometimes to dig out of like, when you're looking up at rock bottom, it, it's not just the, like one game that turns it around. It's kind of like a series of events. And I kept thinking to myself, and I know DJ had said it in his media, he's like, I need a goalie to step up and maybe just steal one. And Forsberg did that, right? Like it was like, stand on your head. You know, that game was ugly and scoring chances and stuff. I, you know, I get some of the analytics sent to me. I'm like, I think they had 26 slot shot. Like it was, it was, it was like Carolina pressed and you need a goalie to, to steal one. All of a sudden guys start to go, hold on. We, we, now we know what winning feels like again. And then mm -hmm. after that, you're getting some saves. You're getting, you know, we'll call it some favorable bounces, you know, uh, Stutzla scores. So that's another scenario where you're like, okay, he's squeezing it. He can't find the back of the net. So to me, it, it took, you know, a combination of, of things to, to kind of come back at you. but of all the bad puck luck and all the bad mojo that they had that maybe deserved a win or deserved better, it wasn't happening. And then, yeah, I don't know if you call it a turning point or not, but it's just, uh, to me, the game in Carolina where you just got a much needed win. You didn't ask how, because that, I, I thought the goalie was brilliant, but mm -hmm. this is, I, I don't want to say it's smoke and mirrors, but it's somewhere in between for me uh, of a team that maybe deserved a little bit more, uh, I guess results, you know, if you had a, a save here or if you had, had a big play instead of hitting a post earlier in the season, you're not just on that terrible run. So um, I, I am seeing them play with a lot more confidence and a lot more jam and, and a little bit more structure, but there's lots of work to be done. And, and be honest, like, I, I think this is still a work in progress, but you can see some signs of some confidence there. And that's a big thing in, in the game. Uh so is this all on Matt Murray since they sent Matt Murray down and now they've turned things around? Uh, you're a goaltender, so I'm going to let you have the floor and you tell me 
uh, A, would you have sent Matt Murray down? And B, uh, what does he need to do to his game as a goaltender? You were a former goaltending coach. What did, what's part of his game that needs to get fixed? Well, I mean, I thought it was at that point, I thought it was quite, I'll be honest, quite a big move to wave him and send him down. Like maybe they felt they needed something to jolt the whole dressing room, jolt the organization. And you're looking at a guy that, you know, had a good training camp, but then gets injured, then gets COVID. And then, you know, like there was just, you couldn't get him going. So, and then you rely on him and then he's not playing very well. So I think they, they probably internally, it was like, we need to not only reset the organization, but we, we need to reset that player. So you wave them, you send them to the minors. Uh, I would see now, you know, the team continued on the slide and I would see Matt Murray trending in the Ottawa area and people going, well, how are they going to blame this loss on Matt Murray when he's in Belgium? And I don't know if you guys had the same thing. I would kind of like, you know, I, I, I'm sitting there watching some of Sen's Twitter going, I wonder how Dorian's going to blame Matt Murray for this loss and stuff. I, I think what they were looking at is Matt Murray, they were hoping was part of the solution and not part of the problem. And they felt mm. that, that he was part of the, he wasn't the whole problem, but his situation how much they're paying him, what they traded for to get him, they expected more from him. So sometimes you you do need something to jar, you know, some reality back into the group. I thought it was a really aggressive move. I I didn't see it coming personally. And I happened to be on the road with the team. And then, you know, all of a sudden the next day it happened. So uh, so that's just the the organizational standpoint. From Matt Murray's standpoint, I think he needs to get healthy physically and mentally. You know, this half of goaltending, Mark, you could speak to this. You've been around a, a lot of guys that, that when you watch their game get between their ears, it, it's, it's, I, I'm trying to say this respectfully. You, the minute you start to think the game, you're in trouble because mm. you don't react. You don't let your, your, your talent take over. I think Matt Murray's a talented goaltender, but there were times I'm watching him and I, I almost thought he was thinking in the net where you're like, you can't think the minute you start to think you're, you're paralyzed. You, you, you're like, you, I can't move. I'm, I'm behind the play because I'm, I'm not reacting. I'm, I'm going, what should I do next? And, and the minute you go, what should I do next? It's already by you or the play has already gone by. It's so quick. So I think he needs the reset. He needs to be away from the pressure of, you know, of, of a team that was struggling so you get him to Belleville, try and get him playing. But health physically and mentally is the number one thing for him. The technical aspect, it, it's riding a bike. Like you can clean that up through video. You can clean that up through just repetition and habits. He hasn't had that repetition and habits because he's been in COVID protocol. He's been injured. And so you, you don't get two weeks of full practice of going, hey, you know what, this is what it looks like on a, you know, a partial breakaway out of the corner. This is what I would do on a two on one. It's like, Hey, I'm sick and hurt. And then I've got one practice and I'm thrown into a game. Uh, to me, he needs, I think he just needs a full reset and he needs time. And it's not just a one week fix and you're right back in. I think it's a, it's like almost a, they should lay out a plan of like, Hey, what does the next six to eight weeks of your life look like? And if we can keep you healthy, physically and mentally, it's a, it's a rebuild, a reset. So uh, I'm hoping that for him, because at 27 years old, you don't just forget to how to, how to play goal. You don't forget right. how to, to be a top tier guy. 
but there had something had to give. And unfortunately it's a very public thing. It's a very embarrassing thing, I'm sure. But, you know, ultimately I, I, the, I don't know how you guys thought about this. The first thing I thought about when you go to the miners, you don't pay escrow. So I'm mm-hmm. like, you yeah. you're making more money. Yes, exactly. It, it happened to me too. in I think 2000 or 2001, Minnesota sent me down and I went from the state of Minnesota to the state of Texas and Houston. I was like making 8% more on like, I think I was making like <laughs> 1.4 at the time. I'm like, Holy smoke, the check looks a lot better. Oh, no escrow, you know, and, and yeah. no state tax. And like, yeah. so it was kind of funny. I thought to myself, no amount of money can, you know, take away the love for the game, but certainly could help a little 8% <laughs> boost or a 10% boost. So um, I hope, I, I hope Matt, uh, you know, maybe take some solace in that, put it that way. And, and, and noodles just, I know, cause we're hammering down on Murray right now, but one more little thing. What does that do mentally? Like, is there a little animosity now between the two? And I'm not trying to dig anything up right. by any means, but I know, you know, like the guy's got a great resume, tons of success at the NHL level, obviously. So now how does he approach this? Cause we saw some of the reports early on and he had some quotes that you could probably read between the lines a little bit. So how yeah. does he bounce back properly and come back up and, and be engaged with this group? Noodles before I, you answer. I just want to say, I think this yeah. is a turning point for our, our show. Now, Matt is asking questions like a media member, and I'm so excited that he asked a question like this. <laughs> so I, I just want to take a moment to appreciate this and how this has played out. Anyway, you can Wally, I know, where, I know where you live, Wally. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Be careful. Exactly. Be careful, Wally. Be careful. Um, you know what? I read the same quotes. You could read between the lines. Absolutely. There's animosity. He's the... He's a, a guy who's had so much success at a young age. This is all new for him. So I think, and again, I can't speak for you know Pierre Dorian or Pierre Maguire sure. or DJ Smith, but I, I would think in a, maybe a candid moment, if you ask them, they want him to go down and have a collective F you. I'm going to come back and show you. Like right. sometimes... You know, sometimes it's like an organization is like, hey, we're going to pat you on the back. We're going to, you know, we're going to protect you. We're going to do all this stuff. And sometimes, you know, they look at that like parenting and go, you know what? You, you might need a, a stern talking to you. You might need uh, a different approach. This has been their different approach with him. I think from a, from a business standpoint, they were like, we feel we've done everything we can with that player yeah. other than trying this. So they're trying that, and it, and if it works and he gets his game back and comes up, we'll look on repairing the relationship uh, of the overall what's happened. We'll call it the embarrassment of being sent down and waived. Right. But I think that I, it's almost like it's uh, that was their last straw. Like this is our last attempt to to you know help the player you know come into this organization that. You know, and I think that there is a financial component too. Like we're paying you $6.25 million. Yes. We've expected more. We expected this. Um, you know, I said this at the, I think I, you know, well, you, you know, I've said this all along. I thought his first 18 months as a Senator was going to be a Rocky road, just yep. based on, um, you, you know, called it danger pay. On the, yeah, danger pay, hazard pay. Right. Yeah. So it, I didn't see it ending up here, but we're 18 months in. Now, where does it go? It can go one, you know, two ways. It can go really south and he just, 
plays out the string and hopes that another team grabs him for experience and stuff, or he can rebuild his game. You can rebuild the relationship and he comes back and is a real key cornerstone to your organization moving forward. That might take six months, you know, who knows, but but it's, yeah, that's, it's unheard of yeah. though. Hey noodles. Like it, is, is yeah. it not sort of unheard of to have a goalie go down? Like you just don't see that very often. Right. Or do you, I don't know. No, what the numbers I, are. here's the, the only thing I can think of in recent memory. Do you remember Jake Allen in St. Louis was really struggling yeah. as a starter and they gave him the team went to Winnipeg and they left him back and said, we're going to give him a mental reset. So like, don't even come with team to Winnipeg. You take two weeks. We've seen it with, um, you know, Carey Price, uh, you know, obviously his struggles are much more public now, but I think there has been a time where Carey Price has needed a reset and, and, mm-hmm. you know, like, Hey, we're going to have him, you know, he's going to be not a healthy scratch, but we're going to have him stay back on the road trip and work with the goalie coach and get his oh, game right. back. Like you, you've heard stories like that. And I know of other situations in the NHL that were, they're not public, so I won't say the name or anything, but I know of two right. other goaltenders where the organization has said he's not available or he's, he's nursing something where I know it's actually been a reset for that player. Yep. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it, this is just much more public because they put, the, you know, they put Murray on waivers. It's, it's like a statement. Hey, you know, whoever wants to take him, you can take him. If not, mm. he's going to Belleville to work his game out. So there's a, there's kind of a statement by the organization there too, but I have seen it with other goaltenders, but just maybe not. I think there's been a, a different layer of uh, we'll call sensitivity to it, or just a different approach to it, put it yeah, that way. Sure. Sure. Uh, I want to move on. Uh, well, there was lots of talk about should there be changes in the front office with the Ottawa senators and whether DJ Smith or whatnot, but there has been a few changes in other front offices and in Canada with the Canadians and with, Vancouver you've played with Travis Green so I know you know him really well can you yeah I know this this would take probably take three days but can you tell us what happened with Vancouver that perhaps they stopped listening to him because he just got an extension and how you think Bruce Boudreaux will now do in there uh well I'll work backwards I think Bruce Boudreaux will be fine there you're good uh, but we'll have to wait 10 to 15 games to figure out once the dust settles because they they're going to get that new coach bump all of a sudden, last I'm watching the game last night. Brock Besser hasn't scored, you know, forever. One goes in off a of Dowdy's foot. Like, where yeah. was that last week? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Thatcher Demko all of a sudden looks like Thatcher Demko in the bubble. He's making saves on his back and rolling around. Um, you know, Pedersen looked more engaged and dangerous. So sometimes that we'll call it the new coach bump. So I think Boudreaux's going to have success. We'll see how you know how how long it lasts or how that looks. 10 to 15 games from now, once his yeah. coaching style gets implemented. I think Travis Green is a fantastic coach. And that's not just me being biased. I mean, I played with him in junior when he was a high scoring prima donna, like, you know, and then I played in the NHL with him where he had settled in as a third line center who was really good two way. The one thing that I've talked to the Vancouver players about is they liked that he was a good communicator, the former player that could relate to them. I think sometimes the message gets stale, but you know, if I, if, if you ask me in a candid moment, which is this right now, like, can, what is he supposed to do with Pedersen? Like Pedersen doesn't look like himself. Like here's a, here's a guy that just got a contract. He's getting paid. I think he's a fantastic player, but he's not scoring. He's not mm. an impact player at critical times. 
So it's the chicken or the egg. Travis, I, I've talked to coaches about this at nauseum where they're like, I need that guy. So I'm going to play the hell out of him, but he's not playing well. So I need to take him away from my lineup or maybe limit his minutes because he's hurting my team instead of helping him. But then when I need a big goal, I got to put him out there again. So it's like, and, and when they're not producing, it's like, it, it, it looks crazy because you're like, why is Pedersen there? I think it was, was it last week where they had a six on five situation at the end of the game? Greeny didn't have him on the ice. Cause I mean, and people are like, why is Pedersen not on the ice? Well, if it was, if you took Pedersen off the back of the, of his Jersey and said, Joe Schmatz, well, Joe Schmatz hasn't been producing. So why would he be on at a critical time? So I think there were so many different things that Travis was trying, but at some point your message gets stale. The penalty kill stunk, which I I don't know what happened to there, but uh, I'm not going to take credit for this. O-Dog always says this on our show. How many times has the goaltender saved the players from a video session? I mean, you know, Matthew, you can talk about this. Anton Forsberg saved, you know, the, the senators from a video session getting outshot, what, 49 to 23 the other day. They came yep. out, a win, a win's a win. No video tomorrow because guess what? We won that game. So, you know, you needed Demko to play a little bit better. I looked at their underlying numbers. I mean, you know, it, it seemed like Quinn Hughes' numbers were actually better this year than last year as far as underlying and stuff, which is mm-hmm. good. You, but not everyone was playing well. So, you know, Brock Bester hadn't scored in 15 games. How, how's that Travis's fault? You know, JT Miller, I know, was vocal in practicing. We don't know what the hell we're doing out there. Is that a slight on the coach or is that a slight on his peers who don't know how to d- execute a drill that, that has been drawn up? So I, I think at some point it just was like it wasn't working. A cha- change was needed. It's easier to move the coach than it is to move three or four underachieving players. Yeah, agreed. It is interesting. Are you surprised about the change in uh, Philadelphia with Alambino being out? Did they did they yes. quit on him? Because it, it, listening to I don't uh, think so, Wally. They uh, didn't quit on him. They like they, him. After that seven one loss, though, they came out and said that's when we thought we had to make a change. Well, yeah. uh, you're right, Wally. But I, when people ask me that question, I, I, I can honestly say, me as a player at 17 years. Not once did I get up and head to the rink and go, you know what? I hate the coach. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to play today because it reflects on me as a pro. Yeah, like sure. there, are, there are coaches along the way who I thought were complete idiots, but it doesn't, they were still the coach and you may have disagreed with the philosophy that they had, but it's yeah. not like they weren't trying. And the minute that I put my Jersey on, I was trying to stop the puck every way I could. I wasn't going, you know what, not today because that coach hurt my feelings or did this and that. So I understand the the premise when people say, you know, that the players quit, they may not like the coach. They may not like what's going on, but I would say there's deeper rooted problems in Philadelphia than just Aline Bagnon. And uh, Chuck Fletcher came out this summer. I, I remember reading an article and him saying, Last year's, they'll call it debacle, was on him where he thought their decor was too young. So what does he do? He addresses it. He goes and gets Ristolainen. He gets Ellis. He adds Keith Yandel into his mix. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. they're a veteran decor that looked a lot better on paper. Mm-hmm. But I just, 
I, I, I said this, I actually was speaking about Philadelphia this morning to a player in the league. We were just kind of, he was like, man, that's a mess over there. Like, what are you here? And, and I was like, honestly, there's got to be deep rooted issues within that whole group there. Like, and I'm not just saying, I'm not calling out Claude Giroux because he's a captain, but there just seems to be something that doesn't seem right, whether it's their commitment to work ethic, their, their systematic play. Like you don't just drop off a cliff. There's people, there's people that are, you know, hard on the Islanders. I'll be honest. The Islanders have a bunch of built-in excuses, injuries, COVID, you name it. Uh, 13 game road trip to start the season. The New York Islanders, the New York Islanders look different to me than Philadelphia, than Vancouver, because those two teams that just had coaching changes had deep-rooted problems that you, you couldn't just put your finger on one thing and go, it's that player, it's that player, it's that system. And all of a sudden, you're pointing to like 10 or 12 things. When I think of Philadelphia, I'm like, it, it looked good on paper. It sounded good at the start of the season. I'm like, I like some of the moves they made. You know, Voracek for Cam, I think that Atkins is a really underrated player, hard to play against, like, you know, could score. I like some of their moves. It just hasn't worked out. And you can go back and go, well, they can't defend and the goalie's too young and he's not stopping pucks and that. Again, it's easy to just go, A.B., you're out, instead of going four or five guys from that situation who either aren't buying in or aren't producing. we got to move them. So a different voice will be interesting to see how things unfold there. Okay, I have a question about voices because you've played for, and I meant to add up the number of coaches, but it's an it's a long list. A long list. Uh, <laughs> what, I don't. What was the craziest team that you played on in terms of just mal dysfunction, or can you even name me that? And I don't mean about head coach. I just mean in general. When you talk about there's something amiss with Philadelphia. Did you play on one of those teams? Well, no. I mean, I have, but like funny dysfunction like crazy like crazy players and stuff like that like the minor leagues are full of them like i oh, yeah. i laugh <laughs> like you you point like name me an ahl team that doesn't have like one or two like minor league you know crazy people on them i played with this guy named frank the animal by lois i mean i was he was my teammate i was afraid of him you know like um it, it, you know that type of stuff like the ahl you want to talk about a development league as far as just professionally as a player, but it develops you off the ice. You're like, Holy smokes. Like that. Most, a lot of times, because financially guys are all kind of in the same, you know, you're making X amount of dollars. So everyone kind of lives in the same complex and, you know, everyone, Hey, what are we doing for dinner today? Well, it's, you know, it's subway. Cause everyone's got seven bucks to spend and, you know, and, and they all kind of hang out in the complex. And so I, dysfunction is 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 like it's every day in the ahl but it actually like it's good dysfunction because you're like i i'll never forget it i i was talking about getting sent down i was 30 years old making a pretty good one-way contract in minnesota they sent me down to houston all of a sudden my my number one defenseman is this kid named travis roach who was like out of college um really talented and he lived in the complex like kind of next to me and we're on our way to the game. He's driving this Dodge Viper. He's eating McDonald's. I'm like, that's my number one defenseman. <laughs> this guy's shooting on a Big Mac on his way to the game. I'm like, oh my God. Like, and 
Like, I'm like, of course he's chewing on a Big Mac. He's 20 and he's from college. Like he has yeah. no idea what right. it's like yet, you know, like, and it's just like that. I, if you want to turn that dysfunction, that's dysfunction. Cause it's kind of like funny. Cause you're like, I can't wait to see what this guy's going to be like at 24 when the light goes on and goes, Hey, I'm a pro and I'm actually a pretty good player, you know? And so some guys, they, you, when you, when I had them at a young age, you see which way they go. And, and, but it was, it's, it's, it may not be the dysfunction. Like everyone hates each other or whatever. It's just like, you know, I get to Minnesota, we're an expansion. We have this kid, Marion Gabrick, who is just an unbelievable player. He's 18. Uh, I remember like 10 minutes before warm-up, they would bring in, you know, like snacks for the wives and stuff. And I, for some reason, I like walk across the hallway and I look and there's Gabby sitting on the couch, eating a brownie, like 10 minutes before <laughs> we go for warm-up. I'm like, you know, I don't think you're supposed to be doing that. You know, but he's like, oh, Free, free food like he's all fired up but there's free food i'm like hey you're gonna make so much money in this game you can have your house catered with brownies every day but i'm like i don't think you should be eating a brownie 10 minutes before we go out like but that's the type of stuff like it, it just i i you know i guess dysfunction is the wrong word it's just unique you everyone has unique individuals and i the ahl it, it really does like kind of it helps you grow up on and off the ice and it's a real good developmental league um just so that it gets you prepared for the next level mm. yes meth spent some time in uh, syracuse new york hey meth um travis roach by the way played 60 nhl games that's how his career went is um <laughs> i'm to ask you and i don't know if i'm going to set this up properly but about a mascot is it the islander mascot is there a story regarding a mascot in you Yes, and it's a very famous story, and uh, we're allowed to swear on here because there there has to be yeah. some swear words Nobody's that watching. come with. Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right, yeah. So, so I get drafted by the Islanders in '91. I get to the Islanders organization. My head coach in the minors is Butch Goring. My the head coach at the NHL level is uh, Al Arbor. The goaltender coach for the organization is Billy Smith. And, you know, obviously the reputation precedes himself. Like there's this grizzled, like tough as nails goalie coach. And everything about Smitty was like percentages. So you stand here and seven out of 10 will hit you. Don't ever let them come around your crease. You make sure, you know, like, like he had all these little, little, little things. And it was kind of, you know, it was intimidating, but it, it really helped me because he was all about mental preparation. He's like, the, the game is up here. If you think it, and if you're ahead of them, you'll be able to handle everything. So I'll never forget. I get, uh, it, it was, it was, a, I'll, I'll cut this part and make it short, but I got sent to the East coast league for the weekend and they would, they wanted me, there was five goalies in the system and they had three at the NHL level because Mark Fitzpatrick had a, had an illness, a rare illness that when he would get sick, he would get sent to the minors so he could recover. And that would bump me to the East Coast League. So um, I, I would go down for the weekend, I would play. And what happened is Glenn Healy ended up hurting his finger. And uh, I get called up from the East Coast League to the NHL. I stay there for the night. And they finally, because they got to fill a void, they send me to the AHL. And I get out to the rock. It's, it's Toronto's team. I think it's at St. John's. St. Yeah. John's, 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 John's. Yeah. St. Yeah. John's. St. John's Maple Leaf. So um, I get out there 
and we're playing on a Tuesday and Thursday. So I go and join the team and Butch Goring's a coach. Billy Smith is the uh, goalie coach. So I get out there and I start the Tuesday game. So I go skating out and I, I know Smitty's there and I want to impress. And as I go to scrape my crease, there is like this bird of a mascot. It's, his name was Buddy the Puffin. It's like this weird shaped like bird. And he's like doing this hex and like kind of like skating towards <laughs> me. And I'm like, all right, I, I, I'm just trying to like focus for the game. So I'm scraping my crease and he would come near the crease and I would like push him out of the way. And it was just weird. He was being annoying. So that first period, I like stand on my head. I, I'm like feeling really good. After the first period, I go in the dressing room. I come out for the second period and the bird is in the crease, like standing in my crease, like doing a hex. And I got to skate like the whole, you know, the second period, you got to skate all the way down. So I skate down. I give him a push. He pushes me back. And I'm like, this is weird. But the crowd, <laughs> the crowd's kind of getting into it. And I'm scraping my crease. I didn't even think anything about it. So I end up having really good period. Third period comes out. He's there again. I push him. He kind of pushes me back. And <laughs> I stand in my head. I, I don't know the score. I think James Duffy ended up looking it up. But like in my head, I think we won like 3-1 or 5-2 or something. And I got like a star. And I, I played... I thought I, I made like 35 saves and I was like unbelievable that night. And I am so proud. I'm like, hey, I just put a show on in front of my goalie coach. And so I come off. I'm the last guy off because I was a star. And I go into the room and the guy's like, hey, noodles, you know, and I go to and in my stall is Billy Smith. And he's like, I need to talk to you in the hallway right now. And I was like, all right. You know, and I'm thinking, oh, he doesn't want to give me all the accolades in front of everyone. He takes me out <laughs> in the hallway. And I'm standing there and he's like, don't you ever let that fucking bird stand in your crease again. And I was like, what? Like, I'm not even like, I, I'm not even, I'm like, I just got first star. And he's like, if that fucking bird's there on Thursday, he's like, you take him out. And I'm like, I, what? Like, and I, honest to God, I'm not lying. Like it's a Tuesday night. I didn't sleep a wink that night. He's like tore a strip off of me. And we practice the next day. And all I keep thinking about is like, what am I going to do with this bird? Like, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and I'm hoping like, okay, maybe I'm not going to start Thursday because, you know, maybe it'll start the other guy. So as you're skating around before practice, I, I'm looking out of the corner of my eye and I'm watching Butch Goring and I'm trying to avoid him because he, I'm waiting for him to skate up and go like, oh, I'm going to start the other guy. He skates up to me, he goes, noodles, you're playing tomorrow. And I'm like, oh my God, like. And I'm not even thinking about the game. I'm thinking about this <laughs> stupid bird. So I'm not, I swear to God, next game. So Thursday comes game. I get out there for the first period. Like the, the bird is kind of like, you know, hexing me. I kind of, I'm like all locked in. They score like four goals in the first period. And it's, oh, I'm, no. like, I, I'm just brutal. Like I, I should get pulled. They should pull me. I swear to God, I think my mind, Billy Smith told Butchie to keep me in to see how I had handled this bird. So after the first period, I come out and the bird is in my crease, giving me the hex. And I was like, fuck this. So I take off <laughs> 200 feet and I run the bird out of my, like I literally hit him as hard as I could. And this bird goes flying into the corner and, and the crowd goes crazy and I don't know if there's a 
14 year old girl in there. Oh, There's an 85 year old man. Like I have no idea who this bird is. And I bury this bird and the crowd is on me. I, I think we lost like seven, one that night and they left me in and the crowd was giving it to me. And I was just rattled the whole night. <laughs> I, I come after the game and Smitty's in my stall with a smile on his face. And I'm like, yeah, sorry. He takes me out in the hallway. And he's like, that's how you be a man in this league. And I'm like, Oh my God, I just gave up a touchdown. I literally just gave up a touchdown. And he was like, nah, you, you let you show them, you show them how you can Man. be. And I was like, unbelievable like that. I'll never forget that. But like to this day, people from St. John still send me notes going like this buddy, the puffin is like their mascot out there. Like it's, you know, that's the guy or whatever. That, so th that's one of the best stories. I've, I'm not just saying that by the way, especially like on ice. And, and that is a testament to what it's like, especially then like, well, you were, you're like, well, that was yeah. over 10 years before I got to the A, but um, yeah, like, like I feel like in the American league, it was such an important thing. Like, like our coaching staff, I can still remember Gary Agnew and a couple guys that were coaching us in Syracuse. And we had a team full of like WWE guys. Like it was a shit show. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's all they fucking cared about was just yeah. like the sideshow stuff, the fights, the hits, like it was such yeah. a priority over everything else. And it, it was like living yeah. in the twilight zone. So hearing that yeah. just resonates with me. I, I totally understand it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I was, uh, I'll never forget it. Smitty was like, the smile on his face, it was like a proud father. I was like, all right, well, I just, I'm like, just so I, I can remind you, I just gave up a touchdown, like seven, yeah. like not, seven you know, goals. Like, you know, so anyways, it was kind of funny because it, you know, it, it, and years later, I'm still, I mean, I love Billy Smith. He was so good. I had him for the first two years, I think, in my career. And he was just so, he was good for me on the mental aspect, being a pro, how to, how to treat people, how to approach the game, how serious he needed to take it. There were so many lessons I learned from him, but like, I don't know if I take a lesson that night. I just more think it's a funny story, you know? So oh, that's great. Um, you, and we've said this before, you've played with so many stars with Yager and Brett Hall, and I could go on and Jerome McGinley and whatnot. Um, it, like, I haven't heard too many stories about Brett Hull from players, but I hear lots of stories from outside. So can you tell me what Brett Hull was like as a player to play with? Unbelievable. Like I, I, Hully was one of the smartest players like cerebral that I've ever played with. Like he, he's the type of guy that you walk into the dressing room and he's doing like the New York times uh, crossword, crossword and just like it figured. Yeah. Like just so smart, but you know, Hully's, best attribute could also be viewed as his worst is he had no filter. So like he would just never, he thought in his mind, he would say, and, you know, sometimes you're like, Whoa, that's a, uh, that's a little harsh or, you know, so it, <laughs> and, and it was, but he was also self deprecating. Like he, you know, he would be having an off game and he'd be got, like, he'd announce in the room, guys, don't pass me the puck. I'm brutal tonight. I'm awful. I'll try and be better, but I'm no good. But then there were other times he, you know, he'd be yelling at, you know, a Pierre Turgeon, Turge, you, you didn't see me. I'm, I'm there. Hit me. I, I, I've scored 86. I've scored 86. <laughs> you get me the puck and that's going to go in the net. Like, and he's like, it's matter of fact, and it's so true, but you're like, Whoa, you know, like it, you're thinking, okay, like 
he has the confidence to say that because it is true. And he's just pointing out a fact, but it's, you know, there's other ways to approach it. Like for me, I just would never, not that I was ever as talented as Brett Hall, but he just, he saw things differently. And he was really funny. Like we had this defenseman on our team, Chris McAlpine, we called him the mule. And like there, Hollywood walked by the stick rack and he'd just look at people's sticks and like mule was a stay at home defenseman and had like this big you know, two by four. And he would just pick up the mule stick and look at him and go, no wonder. Like you just say, no wonder, like, <laughs> no wonder I can't get a direct pass. No wonder, like you can't take a shot. Like he would just look at it and just drop it and walk away. Like he, <laughs> but he, he just, I honestly, I have a soft spot for Holly because he was, um, he just like, he knew I was young and single at the time when I played with him in St. Louis and like Christmas Eve, he'd be like, you're coming with me. Like, I'm, I'm like, it's Christmas Eve, you're, you know, family. He's like, no, nope, kids are going to sleep. Um, you know, you and I are going to go for a beer. And all of a sudden we're at karaoke at the Cheshire Inn in St. Louis at like <laughs> midnight, you know, I'm like, this is great. I'm with Brett Hall, you know, like it was, he just, uh, he was such a, a unique individual, but you so talented, so yeah. talented, but like, just, I mean, I was there when him and Keenan were going at it and then Keenan get fired and then Joel Quinville came in. So, you know, I was, I was, played, you know, good three years with him where, you know, just some, the comments left and right, but like very funny, but just very matter of fact. And I just, I love that about him because as you know, you guys know, sometimes you just never know where you stand with with guys because sometimes it's, you know, they're trying to be politically correct or, you know, nice where he just go, ah, you know, you stink tonight or I stink tonight or, you know, it's just kind of funny. I, I always liked Holly. I, uh, noodles. I heard us. I've always heard this. I always remembered this, obviously never played against him or anything, but some of his practice habits where you'd be going up the wall. And if a D man like couldn't hit him with a pass properly, he wouldn't move his blade. He'd just like give you that thousand yard stare down. You know what I mean? Like, like just looking oh, at yeah. you, like, what are you doing? You pigeon, like, hit yeah. me like, I guess that's the kind of guy he was. So true. But it would be because if like, you know how that, I don't know if that's like, if you miss a guy, sometimes they take their glove off and put it on the end of their stick. If you missed it so far, like yeah. how do you do stuff where he just like the guy, the guy would miss him by 10 feet. He just throw his stick at the puck. Like, oh, what am I, what do you want me to do with that? Like, you just, love it. He, but you know what? That's the characters in hockey. I know with social media and, you know, so much coverage, yeah. like it probably be frowned upon where Holly was so good for team chemistry. He was so good for, oh, as yeah. A, because it was like, hey, here's a guy who expects more out of me, out of the backup goaltender, you know, and he expects yeah. more because he, he holds himself to a standard. He's holding you to a standard. So I took it that way. Never once, you know, did that was Holly ever, you know, condescending or anything like that. It was just right. it, how he was, was just a very matter of fact person. And I think sometimes that may get misconstrued as to, especially in today's world, how people view yes. everybody through a certain lens. I don't view him that way. I, I think if he was in today's game, I'm sure his thought process would be different as opposed to 10, 15 years ago. That's just life. Yeah. But I, 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 I just, I laugh because I don't think those characters are in the forefront now because it, they, it might get turned around their thoughts or their views. Oh yeah. Well, it's frowned upon. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. Okay. 
So last time you were on the show, you talked about grilling cheese sandwiches with Kid Rock. Um, I know you're good friends with uh, Chad Kroger from uh, Nickelback. Uh, have you been yeah. backstage with any ridiculous stories that have happened uh, at a Nickelback concert? Uh, that you can share? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, that, that he can share. That's yeah, that he can share. Uh, you know what, by the way, before you do that, um, I... I was at the Nickelback concert at MSG, which I know you were actually on the floor. I didn't know at the time. Uh, it was one of the best concerts I've actually ever seen. And to be at MSG for it was phenomenal. Anyway, that, I, that's my little Nickelback the, story. But I think the cool thing show. about that, the cool thing about that show is I had ordered Steph's engagement ring in Chicago uh, from a buddy and I needed to, it to be delivered somewhere. I couldn't have it delivered cross border. So yeah. I had it, delivered to msg and the nickelback guys accepted it for me i went down we drank all night and then i flew back home the next day with <laughs> steph's ring so it was uh you know it was kind of cool, cool because and you know i had no problem because i had a u.s resident like i there was no declaring it like for um i had a u.s resident and stuff so i declare it on my u.s side so there was no like sneaking it across the board it's just i needed a at that time, I needed a place to get sent to. So I was like, um, you know, their manager's like, well, flip it to me, send it to the hotel. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll bring it down to the show. So I got there, had a, you know, bottle of vodka and picked up a ring. So it ended up working out good. But, but yeah, that, you know what, um, backstage. So one time I'm, I'm playing with uh, the Panthers and they're playing at the Hard Rock in Florida, I guess, uh, Hollywood, Florida. And so Chad calls me and he goes, um, hey, we're staying the night. So he goes, you want to plan an after party? And I said, well, we're actually, I think we're playing that night. So I said, I'll zip over to the show after our game and, you know, we'll have a night. And, and uh, so we set it up. There's some baseball players there. One who I think was not supposed to be, I think there was like a judge or a court order. He wasn't supposed to be drinking. And I was like, that guy is definitely drinking. I remember seeing that guy. I, I can't remember his name, but um, uh, Venus Williams was there and she's a, a show like a, a fan of the band. So it's weird because you're, you know, I'm just hanging out with Chad and I, I, I know all of those guys, Chad's brother, Mike and Ryan Peake, like these guys are literally Alberta boys. Right. So it's mm -hmm. not, you know, they're, they're, if I didn't grow up with them, I basically, you know, we have crossover on so many different levels. So I just, we treat it like that. But then all of a sudden, you know, like, Hey, big star walks in like, Hey, let's have a drink or whatever. So I remember just turning around and like, that's Venus Williams. And she was like, just loving the show, hanging out, drinking. Like, I don't know if she was drinking. Actually, I should, cause I don't think she was, she was training, but her trainer was there and she was like, you know, <laughs> seemed like she was partying or dancing or whatever. But like, I remember seeing her going, what a weird scenario, like how much, how much reach that band has, yeah. because you just never know who's going to show up at the show. And yeah. so it was uh, Venus. Well, that's cool. Really cool. Yeah, I thought that um, was really cool. Like, oh, I meant to bring this up earlier. Can you tell me the story again uh, about how you almost burned down Commonwealth stadium? If I'm not mistaken. Wait, what? No, no. I saved Commonwealth oh, right. Stadium from burning down. So <laughs> there would be there would be no stadium if it wasn't for me. <laughs> so growing up, 
I have two older brothers and one of my brother's best friends was the number two, two equipment guy for the Edmonton Eskimos. His name was Robbie Strecker. And I got to know Dwayne Mandrusiak, their, their, their head equipment guy and, and equipment manager. So when I was a kid, like 16 years old, they were me for two weeks during CFL training camp in June to help Joey Moss. So I was basically the laundry boy for two weeks, me and Joey Moss. And I would drive the truck and they would practice offsite. So uh, at that time they were called, you know, the Eskimos, but now they're the Elkies. So I'll just call them the Elkies um, for respect situation. So that time the Elkies practiced at uh, Concordia College right around the corner. So my job was to get there in the morning. Joe, there would be these like, you know, what is it, 60 people at camp? So they would all throw their underwear and towels into these big, big things. We would roll them out to the truck, me and Joey, throw them back in the truck, take them to Commonwealth, put them in a giant washer, giant dryer, fold them, bring them back for the second practice. So there was two a days. So I don't know, like lunch was at noon. I had taken the first batch back. Joey stayed back. So it's just me. And what I used it as when I was 16 and 17, like I had Commonwealth Stadium to myself. Like I, I, there was a gym, there was satellite TV and there was a track and everything. So I would actually like work out. Like I was, you know, not, believe me, I wasn't in great shape as a hockey player, but like I, it was my training in the summer sure. those two weeks. So I, I'll never forget this. I was watching, I had the load of wash in and then the dryer running and there's these giant dryers like giant. And I'm sitting there at Dwayne Mandrusiak's desk and watching TV. And I hear this like pop and I'm like, that's weird. So I, I go into the laundry room and the dryer right then a giant ring of like light came out and landed in front of me. And I could see that the dryer was on fire. So I went to stop it and the door popped open and the underwear went on me. So all of a sudden I'm on fire. So I like stopped, <laughs> dropped and rolled. So I'm rolling around, like putting the fire out. And then like, it was like clockwork because the dryer was still spinning. It was spitting out underwear on fire in, into like the room. So now the room oh starts start like, I'm like, Oh my God. So I run back. And unfortunately I had locked myself out of the equipment room because I, I, the door closed behind me. So I have to dive through the window and get in there. I call nine one one and I'm like, there's a fire at Commonwealth stadium, get down here. So as I go back, the dryer lint thing had popped open and that was on fire. And so I'm like, what do I do? I can't find a, a, a extinguisher. So I ran and I hooked up this garden hose to like the sink in the bathroom, like two doors down. And I've run this garden hose and it's literally just pissing out water, like just like, <laughs> like just like dropping out water. And I'm trying to stick my finger in it and like spray. And there's like smoke billowing out. And like, like my arm had been, my shirt had like, was like charred and, like, I don't know, I was battling it. All of a sudden, over top of my shoulder comes like a, you know, a fire extinguisher and that. And the fire department had arrived maybe a couple of minutes later. So there was this big fire and I've got like soot all over my face and like my shirt's like burnt. And I like, <laughs> and these guys, these guys uh, 
underwear had burned. Like they, you know, a bunch of guys like, you know, they put in their underwear into the bag or whatever, like a bunch of them had burned. Yeah. So yep. they called Dwayne and they were like, there was a fire and, you know, noodles kind of helped put it out, even though I was sitting there with a garden hose that was just like <laughs> dropping out. But it was weird. I was supposed to go out that night with my buddies and they were all waiting at my house and I got home and I had like soot all over my face and like my hair was all messed up and my shirt was burned. And anyways, like back then you don't text or whatever. I was 16 or 17 years old. It was like 35 years ago. So, um, <laughs> but I always say in the next day in the Edmonton journal, it was like, uh, you know, Eskimos laundry burned in, you know, at fire at Commonwealth. And then they mentioned like, Laundry boy saved it or something like that. <laughs> oh, that's so, awesome. So I still maintain that I helped save Commonwealth from burning to the ground. Uh, that's awesome. Is that your last summer job, by the way? Uh, no, I, I always worked since I was like, honest to God, like 10 years old, 12. I used to mow lawns for senior citizens that had a bad ending. Um, <laughs> Cause I ran over this lady's uh, garden by accident. I slipped and fell and the mower r- rolled down the hill. And oh boy. <laughs> went right through her garden. And you know, old people, they're watching you out the window. She came. Oh, yeah, out. yeah. I'll never 100%. forget it. Mrs. Franco. She's like yelling at what the hell are you doing? I'm like, I just almost got run over by a lawnmower here. But um, I delivered pizza at 16. That didn't go well too, because I had just moved to Lethbridge, Alberta. There was no GPS back then. And I ended up delivering to uh, like a, you know, like a, a clubhouse, a biker's clubhouse, 12 pizzas, 90 minutes late. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy opened the door. He'd already had a fight with my manager. My manager had told him F off. So I get here. I'm like, oh, so your pizzas are a little late. He's like, you know what I'm going to do with those pizzas? <laughs> I'm going to shove them right up your ass. So I was like, oh, so I, I had some rough jobs, but my, but my last job, like um, kind of before I turned pro, my dad's company helped build the Cross Cancer Institute in, in Edmonton and he was mechanical and electrical. So he always would get me on uh, as a, like a plumber's assistant or, you know, like a laborer and stuff. And um, I think he did this. It was a really interesting thing they were building like an interstitial. So they had to dig a six foot trench underneath the parkade. So he had me do that for two weeks straight and like just digging, like digging a six foot trench, like gritty, gritty, hard, like laborious work. And I remember my dad was a really, you know, like calm kind of laid back individual, very supportive of my career, but never was really involved in it. Just said, do, do your best. Uh, you always just say, work hard, do your best. And I remember I was getting drafted that year and that was my last job. And he said, um, you know, go work hard at hockey. And he goes, know that that job will always be there for you. And it was like, hey, that's a, that's a hardworking, honest job. But if you want to be successful at hockey, it's going to take harder work than that. And it was kind of like mm, a, a message. Cool. Like, yeah, so it was, that was my last like kind of real job was working as a laborer for Comstock International. So it was kind of, it was uh, a message and I knew that work would always be there, but uh, like my dad kind of wanted a little bit more. Uh, very nice. Last question I have for you. What was the big fir- your first big purchase with your first NHL contract? Uh, a Nissan 300 ZX. <laughs> oh, um, very nice. 
twin turbo. Um, and it had a, what's called a Steve Millen. He was a racing car system, exhaust system on it. It was, that gave it like extra horsepower. So it was like three, 360 horsepower. And I hit a raccoon with it and it shattered the front end, which didn't go well. I'm driving from New York to Edmonton, 45 hours. I get outside Chicago, Rockford, Illinois. There's a raccoon standing there in the middle of the road. And I'm like, all right. Oh, no. And of course, this car is made of like fiberglass. So it like just, you know, broke the front end and all that. But it just, uh, uh, but that was like my first purchase. I will say like, I, I didn't have a huge signing bonus in that. But like, I wanted to give my parents a little bit of money. Uh, I did that. Then I bought this vehicle, which I sold a couple of years later because it was completely impractical. He couldn't drive it in snow or anything like that. But it was like, hey, my first vanity, dumb purchase. And, you know, it. I think every guy goes through that, you know, like yes. I, uh, it, it's unfortunate. I remember one of my good friends at the time playing junior, hang up the phone. He's like, it's at the pay phone at the bar. We're at Esmer- Esmeralda's in Edmonton. He's on the pay phone with his parents. And he had just signed with Chicago and he turns and he goes drinks for the bar. And then he goes, I have no money. Like he, like you, you don't <laughs> sign your contract with a deposit money into your account. Like you get your signing bonus, what, four months later or whatever. Yeah. So this Takes idiot buys, this idiot buys the bar drinks and he has zero money. So we had to put it on my credit card. So it happens. <laughs> uh, noodles. I, I love these stories. I, I could talk to you all day long. So um, we'll just have to make another date and have you back on again. But we appreciate the time. All right. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, let's do a Noodles 3.0 uh, at some <laughs> point when you guys uh, have worked you through your way through the A-list. You can get back down to me. Uh, you'll always be at the top. Um, by the way, before we go, we love your show. Uh, it is one of the best yeah. things on, on radio, and now it's on TV, of course. Overdrive is phenomenal, and we appreciate the work you guys do. It's hilarious to listen to, so uh, much thanks for the entertainment value you guys give every day. All right, well, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it, and we'll chat soon. Take care, Noodles. All right, welcome back to the show. Thanks once again to Jamie McLennan. Uh, Matt, have you ever beaten up a mascot? <laughs> no, I haven't. Uh, that story was hilarious, though. I, I and uh, We had a couple tweets. So There's a couple people that reached out and were suggesting we ask them about it. I'm like, I'd never heard of this before. So awesome for him to share that with us. I had a good laugh. Yeah, and the fact that Billy Smith is part of the uh, the whole thing. Yeah. Just makes, he was my guy growing up. I had a black coho goalie stick because of Billy Smith. Yeah, I remember uh, you saying that. Uh, awesome. So, Greg, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good, man. That was a great interview, guys. That was, uh, man, again, I get to, those are the ones like we talked about with Andre Wah the week before. Like, time is just some ripping stories. Like, those are the best. I, my That's notes funny. are always like ridiculous, right? You're just like, yeah. what the heck? But you watch them back, and yeah, they're the best. I love those. So nice work there, boys. Um, yeah, you know who else is back? Bone sauce, Sosco. We were talking about that earlier. Um, yeah. There's some tasty stuff, and you know what? Uh, we worked it out with them. We got a little uh, little deal now. So uh, mm. if anybody out there looking to dabble into some hot sauce, maybe find some stuff for Christmas, uh, head on over to bonesaucesauceco.com and use the coupon code WHAM. You get fifteen percent off uh, your order from their website there. So hey, if you got a minute, go check it out. Grab some stuff. Support the show. Support a great little local brand uh, before the holidays, and uh, grab yourself some hot sauce. But 
if you're like, oh, I'm going to wait a little bit here. We, you gotta, we're going to give some stuff away too. So Trivial Trivia is back. Brent, Brent kind of teased that off the top there. Uh, and I mean, this one, if you watch the McLennan, the Jamie McLennan interview, you're going to know the answer to this one. Um, but we're giving away kind of a Christmas prize pack from uh, Bone Sauce Osco, uh, if you know the answer to this question, uh, which is what is the actual name of the St. John's Maple Leafs mascot? If you if you know that, head on over to Twitter. Use the hashtag Wally and Mathot just for the answer. And you can win yourself one of these Bone Sauce Sauce Co. prize packs. They're delicious. Right in time for the holidays, too. So head on over to Twitter and uh, put your answers in now. If, if you know what it is. And if you don't, go back and rewatch it because that was kind of the highlight of that interview, I think. So, yeah, it was pretty anyways. Good. Yeah, it was pretty good. It's hot. It was a hot one. I don't know. I'm trying to try to loop it all back in here with a pun, but I can't do it at this time. Uh, yeah, that was a tough, that was a tough one, Greg. I'll, we'll let it I'll acknowledge that it was not the best, but what are we going to do here? Yeah, they were, well, the first 99% of the show went off without a hitch. So yeah. I'm <laughs> blow yeah. it right at the end here when I show up. So <laughs> just a man of the people, Craig. Just a man of the people. Yeah, not so good at reads. <laughs> uh, perfect. Great show today, boys. Um, Meth, should we bring it up now? You probably don't want to. Lassie Thompson got sent down. I just, I forgot to yeah, put sure. this in the beginning of the show. Uh, yeah. I think it's the right move. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm agreeing with you. I I thought, I didn't think his game really trended downward that much, but you could see that he kind of peaked a little bit. And then there were a couple of missed assignments on the ice, a couple goals, um, lost puck battles. But I mean, granted that happens to everybody, uh, but I think they're just being very careful with them. You know, you don't want your top. These are this is a you know a top prospect in the organization. He's clearly an NHL player. Why rush him right now? There's no point. Get him back down there. The A's obviously been doing very well for him. It's yeah. working for him. I find it does good, does wonders for defensemen. So he'll go back down there, play with a lot of confidence. Maybe maybe come back up at some point, but it doesn't have to be this year. I think it's okay, and I don't see it as a demotion. For me, it's just more development. Well, more minutes, more situations, right? So correct. Uh, I'm okay with that move. I think that's, they've done a really good job. I think of managing, trying to get players up to the next level, right. Of managing those yeah. assets to bring them to the NHL level. So uh, I agree. I won't argue with that decision whatsoever. Isn't this, isn't this how it's supposed to go? Like, aren't guys supposed to come get a cup of coffee, get a, yep. get a taste and then bring it back to the HL? Like, isn't this kind of what I think people are maybe used to, they want to see all these young guys play over vets, but I mean, right. they, they still have the opportunity to go down. Isn't that kind of what, isn't this how it's supposed to work? Yeah. And I think, it's 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 funny because you get a you get a little bit of a taste of it when you come up here to the NHL and you learn right you you see the other players you you watch your teammates you see their habits so it's incredibly um, beneficial for these these call ups to come up see what it's like see what it takes then you go back down and apply those same things down there all of a sudden your game gets another bump you get better and then you come back up at some point you're more prepared you know what to expect. So at least in my case, that's what it did for me. I knew what I had to do going into the off season because I realized, oh man, it's a little faster up there, or I need to work on my, you know, my breakout passes, or I need to get a little bit faster, uh, you know, in those corners or whatever it was that I need to improve on. You, you get a better self-assessment of where you're at when you do get a little call up and then you're, you're able to go back down and apply it. You know what the problem is though, the first round picks that they started making play right away in the NHL. And it never yeah. used to be, right? You never used to see it be like, oh, okay, spend another year in junior or whatever. Not right. anymore. Now they're in the lineup. So all the other kids are like, why am I not in the NHL? And that's yeah, what causes sure. some of the issues. Like Detroit yeah, would I never agree. put young rookies in the lineup. Like, remember, it would take them forever down in the AHL. Yeah, they, they, they developed all of them. You're right. That's a really yeah. good point, Wally. And look where they ended up. So, yeah, it's a good pattern to follow. It's a different NHL now, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. All right, boys. 
get uh, to the weekend. Enjoy your weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Sylvain St. Laurent stopping by. Uh, so nice. we'll, get a, we'll get a chat with him. Uh, Sly is always good for he tells Well, yep. he tells it like it is. So, uh, and he didn't like our l- low number of French Canadians. So we're going to up it one more <laughs> with him on the show. <laughs> see you on good. Monday. That's the Wally Mathot Show. Thanks for watching. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.